You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. All I wanted was a quick start. In fact, my biggest concern, Ed, was that they would just be 500 through the first month. Now I take 500 at this point with this team. What the hell is going on? I mean, this is this is maybe the most frustrating start to a season that I've seen in a long time because I expected nothing but preparation and uh, a new a new attitude and far less injuries and it's the same old thing man it's a, it's the same old thing like I, look i can understand the the uh Aloya Menez injury i guess i can understand tim anderson's injury yoan mancada is like a part-time third baseman who every time he gets a hangnail isn't able to go and they never put him on the il so he takes up a roster space because we're just waiting day to day for him like for the entirety of the season this team's already driving me nuts, and I haven't made it through midway point of April. What is going on? I, I don't know, and and I don't know how to answer that question. You know, I don't know how to sit there and, and reconcile what's going on with this team because it does feel so familiar. Even though you've changed your staff, even though it's not Tony sleepwalking, we can't we can't make that excuse. You you're right. You look at something like that and you go, well, is this just how Yohan Mankata is going to be? Is he just a guy that's going to sit there and say, I'm not bad, but I'm not good enough to go, and then force the team to have to make a decision? Is Aloy just made out of spun sugar? You know, and, and Tim Anderson's injury, that's just bad luck, right? Something like that happens. But what kills me is you have this team that does seem to be more into the game, okay? You have closer games. You have more tightly contested games for the White Sox, but their talent still isn't shining through. They're still not taking advantage of these other teams. And I'm sorry, Sonny Gray is off to a good start, but Sonny Gray does not deserve to basically shut out the White Sox while he's on the mound. This episode of Sox in the Basement brought to you proudly, of course, by Cork and Carry at the Park. Uh, 33rd in Princeton, Shadow of the Ballpark, award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites, incredible bar, great pregame, great postgame. Bring the kids in there before the game, bring the whole family, and make it part of your tradition when you get down to the ballpark. Quicker games. And, uh, you know, not too thrilled when I go there right now. Cork and Carey makes it all better. All right. I think we're still going to have a solid season and an awful lot of fun out at Cork and Carey at the park all year long. But something's got to turn around here. And what I feel like I'm watching is I'm watching a team that has a couple of stars and then a bunch of garbage. Like Luis Robert Jr. is a star. He's literally trying to will his team to victory almost every night that he's out there. He has five home runs on the season. Yoan Mankata's got two. Who knows what he would have if he played more than half the games. And then everybody else is like one or none. Like, where's Andrew Vaughn's power? We are missing power. And you can't sit there and tell me that we're waiting for the weather to warm up because everybody else is hitting the ball out of the ballpark on every other team except for this team. So that's a big problem. And then you got Dylan Cease, and he's a star pitcher. And then you got a bunch of other guys that at least I'm seeing life from over the last couple days. I found it funny that we were, like, hammering the idea of we need quality starts, and we finally saw some. Unfortunately, we stopped hitting when that happened. And if you look around the diamond right now what this team is, you have a Yasmani Grandal who 
was a little hot at the beginning, already kind of slowing down. Andrew Vaughn's not producing anywhere near where he needs to be at the plate. He's bobbling balls over at first base. Elvis Andrus is no longer your second baseman. For the next month, he's your shortstop. So now second base is Lenin Sosa or Hanser Alberto or Romy Gonzalez or whatever they decide to do. Jake Berger is splitting time, essentially, at third base. And then you decide you need to descend in a defensive replacement for him who can't play defense either. So that's a mess over at third base. Aloy Jimenez, we're waiting for him to get back in one in one spot uh, in the order. We got Andrew Benintendi. We got Luis Robert, the shining star in the middle of, of center field. And then for some reason, I'm still seeing Gavin Sheets playing right. That, that's ridiculous to me. When I say that out loud, does that inspire you that this team is going far this year? Something needs to happen here. Yeah, of course, we need Jimenez back in the lineup. Of course, we need less injuries. But I... I, I'm my blame right now is on the front office because you constructed this roster and you're still marching guys out there with basically the mantra of as long as we can stay healthy, we'll be fine. Well, this isn't a team that stays healthy. And so there should have been more done in the offseason. There should never have been a problem finding another outfielder if you didn't want to start Oscar Colas in right field that was still better than Gavin Sheets. I don't he should never be in the outfield. When he's out in right field, it shows poor roster construction. You shine the spotlight right on Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, and you say, what are you doing, and how long are you going to continue to make the same mistakes over and over again? This could turn around very quickly. They could literally start winning tomorrow. They could go on a streak and fix this all, and we could be all happy by mid-May. But right now, it's, it's, I think it's okay to be concerned about this team. I think it's okay to be annoyed as a fan about this team. I was told in, in the offseason and in spring training that they were going to prove something to me. They're not proving anything to me except that all my doubts were real. And, and to your point about the power outage, you've got someone like Vaughn. He's got six doubles on the season, and that's translated into nine RBIs. Half of his hits are extra base hits. He's got 12 hits on the year and six doubles, as we're looking at the stats as you and I are talking. That's great, but he doesn't have a home run to his name. Luis Robert Jr., four doubles, five home runs. T.A. had five doubles, no homers, but that's okay. I don't expect him to hit a ton. Ben Benintendi, 13 hits, all but two of them have been singles. So that's not getting it done, right? And, and his batting average is okay. He's getting on base okay. I'm not worried about Andrew Benintendi, but it's so far not getting it done. And when you have somebody like Yohan Moncada who is hitting, now he's striking out a bunch. He's got 10 strikeouts to one walk, but he does have four doubles. He does have two home runs. He was productive until he, he stepped out of the lineup. You're replacing him with guys like Jake Berger, and Berger came up and hit a home run, but he's been given limited at-bats, and we know Jake Berger's not good at third. You're replacing him with Romy Gonzalez, who's hitting 158. Romy Gonzalez has never really hit in the major leagues. He had a nice little run at one point last year, but by and large, Romy has not been a, an offensive threat. So what are you doing? You're, you're, you're running out guys like Elvis Andrews, who's hitting 146. You're running guys like Gavin Sheets out of position again, which is something that you weren't planning on doing. That was the Andrew Benintendi signing, was to keep Gavin Sheets from being an outfielder. And Sheets himself is hitting 280, but has no extra base hits. And he did this to start last year, too, where he was hitting, but he was hitting singles. And Gavin Sheets, to me, is useless if he's hitting singles and not hitting home runs, and if you're trying to rely on him as a defensive outfielder when he's not really that. There's just there's a lot of things that, at best, you hope it's just Pedro looking at it going, this is what I can kind of get out of this guy early on. And there's some things that are done out of necessity because of the injuries. But by and large, 
what we're seeing is the things that we've already talked about over and over again with this team. Depth becomes a question mark, and roster construction becomes a question mark. And Pedro can be as prepared as possible, but he can't keep Gavin Sheets from tripping over himself in the outfield. And Here's the thing. If Gavin Sheets is going to be playing the outfield, he should be hitting balls out of the ballpark. That's my the, point. The, the home run thing is the home run thing is such a is such a an issue for me right now because I look at a team that that if they could get the ball out of the ballpark would be winning more games. Home runs equal wins. You, you can't you can't play a game where you're not getting the ball out of the ballpark. Other teams are getting those and you're not getting them. Your record is showing flat out that the lack of power is an issue with this team. And what's weird about this team right now is that it's like every couple days there's something that's not working, right? The bullpen's not working. Now the rotation's not working. Then the, then, then the offense stops working when the rotation starts working. Like, you, you, you see the potential, but the problem is, is that they're not putting it all together at the same time. And I think the lack of power is a real issue here. And again, you, like you just said it, I've said it. We're going to keep saying the same phrase today, roster construction. Okay, the construction of the roster is flawed. The construction of the roster has been flawed for the last couple of years. All right. They had the opportunity in the offseason to go out and make changes. They decided not to make any changes. They just basically said, we're going to be healthy this year and everything's going to be fine. Well, that, that, that's not working so far. So, you know, that look, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just in a mood because I ended up in a pirate bar last night and I'm, I'm achy this morning. Maybe that's when you it, say a pirate I'm, bar, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming a, you're not meaning that you somehow landed, went from Florida to Pittsburgh on a drinking binge. No. OK. No, 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 no. I'm still in Florida at Clearwater Beach and I walked into we you know that you know, it's a problem, you know, that you that you're in trouble. When somebody says, let's walk into this pirate bar, and nobody objected to it at any point. We just we just walked in. It, would, it was probably one of the seediest bars I've been in in my life. And we're just all in there. I, I, I think I remember leaving it. Somebody put me to bed. And so I'm a little achy today. <laughs> Today's going to be a day of lounging poolside, trying to get the last few days of my vacation to just rejuvenate me after the night in the pirate's bar. But, but here's the thing. Even in the pirate bar, I'm sitting there watching the Tampa Bay Rays, and I'm watching a team that hits home runs, and I'm that's a team that's got it together. I watch that game sitting there, and I go, "Well, that that's a baseball team right there. That that's that's fun at the old ballpark." Okay, I really hope that my team can start resembling that in some way very soon. You cannot get out of the gate as slow as you're getting out of the gate here. And expect to pick this up in June and all of a sudden go on a tear. That, that's what I was promised last year. It didn't happen. I don't believe it this year. You have an entire fan base that you said, trust us. And look at what's happening out of the gate. So, I, I'm, seriously, I, I look, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not there because I'd be, I'd be watching it more closely and I'd be pulling my hair out. You know? But I, I watched this game the other night. Perfect example of my, my, my fandom right now, Ed. I'm watching this game. I'm watching this White Sox game the other night where Robert comes back and, and, or hits the home run, like leads off, leads off the ninth inning, ties up the game with the solo shot, okay, against the Twins. And at the same time, my brother-in-law, who is a Cubs fan, is flipping during the, White, the commercial for the White Sox game back over to the Cubs. So we're trying to watch two games at once on the TV here in the, in the house that we're all staying in. Now, I'm watching an anemic White Sox team that's driving me nuts that whole game and then a frustrating finish where Hanser Alberto can't feel the ground ball and throw at the first base. Can't feel the bunt. And I'm disgusted. On the other hand, he's watching, when we're in commercial break, a Cubs team that gets down in that game and then roars back and wins and 
there's life at the ballpark and everybody's singing go cubs go and i'm sitting there i'm sitting there watching these two games simultaneously happen while i'm trying to split time on the tv with the cubs fan thinking to myself he's having fun at the old ballpark this year they don't they don't have the same expectations heaped upon them but that's a team that every something went wrong and they fought back and they won it was a very different feeling watching their game compared to my game I want my game to be like that. That's the problem the White Sox have right now. This window into Chris's fandom of the White Sox, such as it is while he's on vacation, is brought to you by Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. If you need to see better through your windows and doors, patio doors, storm doors, whatever you need, visit them because they have no high-pressure sales. Not in your kitchen, trying to sell you on something. You're in their showroom with full examples. You get to walk around, see everything, see the glass designs on display. You don't have to try and pick this out of a book. See it in person. The owners are in showroom and at site. They don't farm out the work. You deal with the, the people who are going to take care of you from front to back. 40 years in Oak Forest since 1985. All major brands, custom made, no stock items. Everything's a perfect fit. Go and check them out. One half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. Or visit them online at windowdooroakforest.com. Hell of a segue, Ed. Hell of a segue. Let's. Why don't we get to our guest? <laughs> That's a hell of a segue. <laughs> well, I was gonna. I was gonna say at least there's one bit of frustration that we don't have, which is we're not staring up at the Tampa Bay Rays undefeated, trying to figure out how to climb back into the division, even if you're off to a decent start for yourself. So coming up with the weekend series for the White Sox is a visit with the Baltimore Orioles, a team that White Sox fans are probably somewhat familiar with, but it's also a team that is changing and adding new faces as they are in the process of bringing up their superstar prospects from their rebuild. So joining us today is Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun, the Orioles beat reporter. And Nathan, what, what can White Sox fans expect from the Orioles from this weekend? Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of, as you mentioned, that young talent started to populate this roster. Obviously, last season brought up Adley Rutschman, finishes the runner-up for Rookie of the Year, hit a home run when they were in Chicago last time. Uh, you got Gunnar Henderson, who's getting his first full Major League season as well. Uh, just last week, they called up Grayson Rodriguez, their top pitching prospect. He should get a start in this series. So a lot of young talent, a lot of guys who are still relatively early in their careers, but have re- relatively established themselves now. You've got Ryan Mountcastle, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander. So they've really built this young nucle- nucleus, and you're going to start to see that on the field more and more often. So Rushman is, uh, he just took to the majors right away because he's he's actually, he's just absolutely killing it this year. Uh, so far, and I and I saw that Henderson maybe scuffling a little bit, but who's uh, besides Ryan Mountcastle just going out and tying Orioles records for RBIs in a game? Who's kind of leading this team right now? Yeah, obviously you've got Rutschman. He's kind of the face of the franchise, and really that's been the case since he was drafted first overall back in 2019. Uh, amid the rebuild, he's always even when he wasn't at Camden Yards, he was the guy that people were looking to as the guy who's going to change things. And obviously has a tremendous start to his year. Goes five for five on opening day. Has another four for four game against the Yankees. So he's off to a great start, hitting well from both sides of the plate. You look at Austin Hayes, who is a guy who uh, had a really good first half, was maybe trending towards an All Star selection, but then his season really fell off. Really struggled in the second half. Had some inconsistencies, and he's off to a great start again this year, seeming to recapture what he was in the first half. Uh, like you mentioned, Ryan Mountcastle just crushing the baseball right now. Uh, yeah, so I think those three guys, when you look at this lineup, they're kind of carrying things right now. A few other guys, you know, Gunner, like you mentioned, is struggling a little bit. Cedric Mullins is an important piece. Anthony Santander is an important piece. Those those guys are having their struggles right now. But, uh, you know, Adam Frazier, I think, is actually another guy who's having a sneaky good start to the year. Uh, you know, big free agent investment, relatively speaking, for the Orioles, giving him $8 million. But uh, he's a guy who's come out and play well out of the gate and, and giving them some veteran presence in the infield. 
That's probably going to drive White Sox fans nuts because Adam Frazier was the name that was kicked around for their giant gaping second base hole for a couple of years. And here he is doing well in Baltimore and Elvis Andrews is, well, he's now the starting shortstop because of Tim Anderson's injury, but Elvis Andrews wasn't off to a great start. Neither was Romy Gonzalez, who's playing second for the Sox too. Um, so the pitching though, seems to be a bit of an Achilles heel for, for the Orioles. I saw Kyle Gibson's having a good year. Rodriguez kind of mixed bag at his first, first start, but, that, but how's, how's the pitching staff rebuild? Because that's been something that the White Sox didn't necessarily do a great job of, for example, in the bullpen coming out of the rebuild, or they needed a Lance Lynn, or they needed some guys to, to kind of fill in and help. So how's it going for the Orioles in that regard? Yeah, you look at what the Orioles maybe needed, their, their most important acquisition targets coming into this offseason. And, and you would say like a top of the rotation starter should have been at the top of that list. And they landed on on Kyle Gibson, which, you know, and I think on most good teams, Kyle Gibson is not your opening day starter, not your number one guy. But no. in this group, he, he's he's the veteran and, and he's pitched well to this point, pitched solidly on opening day, had two deep starts since. Um, you know, he's that guy who's been dependable, who's who, will you know, every five days he's given them a, a solid, if not quality start. And and that's what they're looking for out of him. And so I, I think he's been what uh, they wanted him to be to this point. Uh, been that veteran guy in the clubhouse too. Brought some energy. Brought you know some mentorship as needed. Uh, but they don't have. They have some question marks elsewhere. They traded a top fifteen prospect in the organization and Daryl Hernandez to get Cole Irvin and another pitching prospect from Oakland. And his first two starts have had some trouble. Uh, Dean Kramer was a guy who was great last season. Really broke out after really struggle- struggling in in the twenty twenty one season. Uh, but he's been their number two starter and had a couple of rough starts to open the year. Tyler Wells was a guy who's competing with Grayson Rodriguez for that fifth starter spot in spring, uh, gets kind of thrust into a, an emergency relief role uh, to open the year in his first outing of the year just because Kyle Bradish gets hit the 104-mile-per-hour line drive in his right foot and has to leave in the second inning. And then Wells goes out, throws five no-hit innings behind him, then makes a start and, and pitches effectively against the Yankees, makes a couple bad pitches that get hit for home runs. Uh, and then you got Grayson, and he's going through some uh, learning pains in the majors. We saw it in spring training as well. Uh, you know, the expectation coming into the year was that he would, be, you know, break camp in their rotation. They, you know, didn't see enough from him in camp. And then when Bradish gets hurt, he was the next man up. So you, you credit them for, for you know, sticking to their guns on that and saying he was our sixth guy and when the opportunity presented itself. So there are some questions of that rotation. I think, you know, it's pretty clear they still need another starter. They're going to get John Means back from Tommy John surgery at some point. You have D.L. Hall, who's another one of their top pitching prospects, getting stretched out in AAA right now. You hope that Grayson develops into that. You hope that Kyle Bradish returns and, and pitches as effectively as his stuff says he can. Uh, you know, but they also have the potential to make a move. They have as much farm system depth, if not the most farm system depth, in all of baseball. So the opportunities there, if there's someone they want, if there's someone they're targeting, uh, come, you know, July, August, there, there's definitely a move to be made there. As far as the bullpen, uh, it's a guy, it's a bunch of guys who had you know really unexpected breakouts last season. You look at Brian Baker and Cielo Perez were guys that got on waivers. Felix Batista had a you know ten year minor league career before breaking out and being one of the most dominant you know relief pitchers in baseball. Uh, but they have two key guys in, in Dylan Tate and, and Michael Givens who opened the year on the injured list. So that that's hurting them a little bit. They don't have as much depth. They, you know, the, the bridge to Felix Batista is not as strong as it could be. Obviously, in time, you hope that those two guys come back and really solidify this group. They like what they're getting out of Logan Gillespie and Mike Bauman, who are two younger guys earlier in their career right now. But uh, th- this team's not at full strength yet by any means, especially on the pitching side. All guests on Socks in the Basement are brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventures? Well, visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore. Visit LamontDowntown.com. We'll give you the latest information on what's available and what's going on. So one of the things that we're going on 
on the south side of Chicago after the the retool. I I I hesitate to call it a rebuild because I don't think Rick Hahn rebuilt anything. But uh, there has been this question of as as young guys as the young nucleus and, and core has come up and come together of whether or not you will fill in with high priced or you know top end free agents like you said Kyle Gibson's not really the guy that you would expect to be an ace of a staff that that's brought in are the Orioles the type of franchise that are going to turn around and go after those top echelon free agents or, or make a trade for a guy who might have a, a good salary hit on him uh, to try and put the team over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would hope they would be, I think the way that owner John Angelos talks about it and the way that general manager, Michael Elias talks about it, they are operating within confines whether those are self-constructed or actually what's in, you know, they're imposing on themselves. I'm not sure what the, you know, John Angelos said he would open the books and kind of give us an outlay of the organization. He ended up not doing that and made quite the fuss about it in regards to that, even though it was his offer originally. So we don't know exactly what the full scope of this organization's finances are, as, as is the case with most teams. Um, as of right now, they have the second lowest in payroll in baseball uh, ahead of only the Oakland A's, who are very clearly not trying to spend money. Uh, you know, the Orioles continually paint themselves as a small market team, which, you know, relatively speaking, they are. But you look at a team, you know, like the San Diego Padres is uh, a small market team. And obviously the ownership situations are different. The city situations are different, but they're spending money. And so you would hope that the Orioles have more flexibility than what they've shown to this point. Uh, you know, they didn't go out. They haven't signed a multi-year free agent deal uh, since Michael Elias became the GM in, in November of 2018. Uh, the only guaranteed contract they've given out was to John Means after he underwent Tommy John surgery. And that didn't that wasn't that was a two year deal that didn't buy out any of his free agent years or anything like that. So this is a team that until it, it shows that it's willing to do that, it's it's fair to ask the question, will they? Obviously, I think there are some scars from the Chris Davis contract, which obviously did not work out very well. But, you know, you would hope that this team at some point, when you look at this no young nucleus, especially, even if they're not spending money externally, you would hope that an Adley Rutschman, a Gunnar Henderson, a Grayson Rodriguez, one of those guys, you know, gets locked up long term that they commit to those guys. And so uh, obviously they have some time to do that. None of those guys are going to be a free agent next year or anything like that. But uh, you would hope that as the team continues to trend towards competitiveness, that that payroll takes up and up. So there's not necessarily, cause we have flags flying, sell the team, Jerry, about Jerry Reinsdorf. So there's no sell the team, John flags being sold on Amazon for, for um, I mean, uh, they might yet. be being sold in my Twitter mentions. I see that a lot, but I haven't seen anything show up at Camden Yards yet. Okay, well, uh, if they do, um, I, the red clown nose was particularly effective on the sell the team Jerry flags that we saw. Uh, so how frustrating, though, is it for the Orioles? They're off to a, a, an okay start. I mean, not not tearing it up, but they're in fourth place. They're just ahead of the Red Sox, as you and I are sitting here talking. And everybody's staring up. Everybody in the AL is staring up at the Rays, who are, are undefeated still, as you and I are talking. So in that division, is there... You know, do you feel like there's any chance for a young nucleus to come together and like really just make some waves behind the Rays and the Yankees and, and the Blue Jays? Yeah, that's one thing that throughout the rebuild they've talked about a lot is the difficulty of, of not only tearing everything down and trying to build a consistent competitive team, but trying to do that in the American League East where you have, you know, huge spenders and, and the Red Sox and, and Yankees. And obviously now the Blue Jays are getting up there in terms of salary, but also they're a team that's got their own young core. The, the you know Tampa Bay Rays, despite their payroll situations, are consistently a contender. It's a really tough division to be in. You, right now you have five teams who are hoping to make the playoffs, and, and it, it's a tough situation. And so obviously they bet they're, they're arguably the largest beneficiary of 
Major League Baseball scheduling changes when you look at the reduction of in-division games. And so that will help them to an extent in that they don't have to play the American League East as much, but they still do have to play those other four teams quite a bit. They do still have to, you know, contend with them. Uh, you know, at the winter meetings, I remember asking Michael Elias, like, as you're trying to, you know, build this team for the playoffs, are you aiming to make it a division title contender? And, and he acknowledged it's really difficult in the situation they were in to automatically make it a team that you could say, oh, yeah, this team's likely to win the division. And obviously, with what the Rays are doing, with what the Yankees are capable of, with the, what the Blue Jays are capable of, obviously, the Red Sox have some issues, Adam Duvall getting hurt, but... All four of those teams can make a run, and the Orioles could too. And, you know, that's their hope. But I don't think it's a team that by any means you could point to and say, yeah, this is a division front runner. If they make the playoffs, it's most likely going to be as a wildcard team. And that's what they designed it to do. They did not make, you know, the level of additions, the level of investments to really thrust this team in the, into that position for 2023. The, you know, they see this as a team that's going to get better in 2024, get better in 2025, get better in 2026. And so they're not really trying to put all their chips in one basket, so to speak. I don't know if I use that idiom properly. I might have mixed and matched there. But that's just to say that this is a team that's trying to have a long-term, you know, competitive run in a really tough division. And they're going about it this way. Um, and so obviously the hope is that something clicks, something pops, they make a run and they're competitive. And obviously you look at last season, they finished three games out of a playoff spot and they were the fourth best team in their division. So it's a tough task, it's a tall task and uh, the opportunity is there, but whether they capitalize on it remains to be seen. So from an Orioles standpoint, what do you look at when you're looking ahead to a series with the White Sox? Because right? you know this team, the White Sox are a team that was supposed to contend for a World Series last year and fell flat on its face. They're supposed to contend for the division. So far, they're tripping over themselves and getting injured again to start off this season. So as you're previewing what the Orioles are going to face, what are you looking at for from the White Sox from from that from the Orioles' perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think the the big game to circle is whichever one Grayson Rodriguez is going to start. You've got Kyle Bradish coming back from his foot injury uh, probably sometime late next week, going to make a rehab start on Friday against Bowie, uh, for double-A Bowie, I should say. And so, uh, you know, Grayson may, might be making his getting his last opportunity really to prove that he belongs in the Major League rotation. So, obviously, you've got some, you know, high-level hitters in that White Sox lineup. They're going to challenge him. He's going to be tested. Uh, obviously, with Tim Anderson being hurt, you lose one of those. But I, I think that it's an opportunity for him to really, uh, you know, put his foot down and Tyler Wells is kind of in a similar situation. He could be another guy who ends up as kind of the odd man out in this group. So I think from an Orioles perspective, it's seeing how those two guys do with the opportunity that's in front of them in the series and making sure that, uh, you know, they pitch effectively. And, and, you know, every, every starter goal, every starter's goal right now is to make that decision hard. No one wants to make that decision easy of how they're going to sort things out. They're probably not going to go to a six man rotation, just given bullpen limitations and how off days are lining up for them. So, uh, I think from an Orioles perspective, the big thing to focus on in that White Sox series is just how do those two guys pitch? How do they handle the opportunity that's in front of them? And what kind of decision does it leave for them on the other end? So basically how well they handle Luis Robert Jr. is pretty much going to dictate <laughs> right. what, what happens for them the, over the next few months? Well, I don't know. that would be quite the uh, the breakdown there. But sure, yeah, I guess you could put if you simplify it enough, you could get to that point. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, well, I appreciate you jumping on with us and I appreciate you talking uh, Orioles baseball. And and there's a lot of parallels between what the Orioles are now and what the White Sox were a couple of years ago. So hopefully, hopefully for your sake, it turns out a little bit better than what we've experienced the past year or so. Um, but uh, Nathan Ruiz, again, of the Baltimore Sun, you can check him out on Twitter. And of course, you can always read him on the Baltimore Sun if you are, want to follow Orioles baseball. But uh, I uh, imagine we will uh, see you around the ballpark when it comes to the White Sox Orioles series. And again, thanks for coming on. 
Great. Happy to do it. Thanks so much for having me. Socks in the Basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So I thought it was interesting there that as, as Nathan Ruiz is talking about what happens next for this Orioles rebuild is they're bringing up their superstars, their versions of Luis Robert Jr. and Dylan Cease and, uh, you know, their core players, that there's questions out in Baltimore about whether or not the money is going to be spent there to try and augment it and turn what has been a very lengthy rebuild into something that, that they can at least try and compete with the Rays and the, and the Yankees out there. Well, you know... There, I think there's a, there's more bad owners in baseball than there are good ones. I, I always I, I always kind of laugh. Uh, we had last week, well, since I'm on vacation still, we had last week we had Craig Toth from Bucks in the Basement, and to listen to him talk about Bob Nutting when I help him out with his show out there, it, you know, the the league is filled with terrible owners. We're not the only ones with a terrible owner. The the league is is filled right. with them. So you know, I'm not surprised to hear that. And it, luckily, we're not in the East because that would just, I would just give up. <laughs> At this point, I would just. Oh, and right I, now, I, I don't know how, I don't know if you're, if you're in up. Boston. I don't know how you're looking at the start of this going, yeah, we got a chance to claw way back into this one. Uh, all we need is Dahlbeck to start hitting again. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, if you're, even if you were the Yankees, you're probably looking at this going, well, wild card well, gets it, it done, I guess. I, I think that, I think that that will, the Rays aren't going to win every game. Okay, the no, Yankees will not. get back into it. Toronto, not. the Yankees at Toronto are going to be chasing them all year long. But if I were Baltimore right now, I'd be like, oh, uh, this is going to be really rough. And and look at them. Like as we're sitting here talking, they're five hundred and their run differential is zero. the The White Sox are negative seventeen and are five and eight. They're doing better than we are right now. We're just fortunate we're sitting in a division, which I don't believe. I'm still. I'm not afraid of the Guardians. I'm not afraid of the the Twins. I'm afraid of us. If the Sox don't win the division. It's on the White Sox. It's not because somebody else was, you know, uh, had had more tools than what we had. It's because the Sox can't stay healthy. It's because the roster's not constructed right. It's because they're making poor decisions on who they're bringing up and who they're DFAing and how they're how they're moving their pieces around. It'll be on the front office and it'll be on the team. This is theirs for the taking, and they still have the opportunity to do it because we're only 13 games into the season. All right, and I, I'm frustrated with them, but we're only 13 games into the season. If I'm sitting here a month from now trying to tell you we're only a month and a half into the season, somebody hit me in the head. Okay, at some point it's got to turn around. It's got to turn around quick. They've got to get going at some point. The engine's got to turn on. The the light switch has to go on. The positives out of the last week is that I'm starting to see a rotation that's pitching deeper in the games. That's a good thing. The positives are that I'm I'm sitting there thinking to myself when Liam Hendricks comes walking back in that door. 
and Garrett Crochet starts walking, comes walking back in that door, uh, then we can dump two pitchers. Will they dump the bad pitchers, or will they dump these young guys that they brought up who actually have been showing some some good things out there on the mound? You know, so will Hanser Alberto be released or DFA'd, or will we keep sending Lennon Sosa up and down? Okay, will you make the right decisions to field the best 26-man team? If they do that, this can be turned around even with the injuries that hit them early in the year. Yeah, and and you're you're sitting here looking at run differential, for example, and the Sox have a run differential of seven. They have 77 runs against them, which is eh, their second worst in the league. They're just behind. Oakland has 93 runs against and the Sox have 77. But the Sox had two games where they got absolutely bombed out, right? So if, if those are normalized, it's a lot closer to a zero run differential because they have 60 runs scored, which is kind of middle of the pack. So the White Sox need to get better about run prevention, I think, but they also need to get better about scoring when they have the opportunities to take a game. You can't have three one losses. You have to win those games four to three. You, you can't waste quality starts or even a bullpen that basically does its job without scoring any runs. Nor can you go out and score nine runs in a game that you lose twelve to nine and and then turn around and get shut out by somebody like the the Pittsburgh Pirates. So it's just they do have a chance to put it together. But they actually have to put it together together. And, and that that's, I don't know how you do that. All right, so the, the, the whole basis of the show is hit more home runs, pitch better, do better. Don't get injured. All right, I, th- that's all we got to do. And everything will be fine. All right, so pitch better, hit better, play defense better, hit more home runs, <laughs> and we'll be fine. There you go, White Sox. <laughs> all right, I'm going back to the pirate bar. We've got it all figured out. Yar. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.